0: I stood atop the remote watchtower in the heart of the White River National Forest, Colorado. The breathtaking beauty of the vast wilderness stretched out before me, a canvas of nature waiting to be explored. As a diligent park ranger named Zoe, I took my responsibilities seriously, ensuring the safety of visitors and the preservation of this pristine environment. But there was more to me than just the uniform I wore. In my free time, I embraced my passion for art wielding a paintbrush instead of a ranger's guidebook. The wilderness inspired me, and I would often capture its magnificence on canvas, the colors dancing across the white expanse, bringing the landscape to life. As dusk settled over the forest, the once familiar tranquility gave way to an eerie stillness. A chill ran down my spine, and I sensed a presence lurking in the shadows beyond the reach of my watchful eyes. Unseen entities tormented me during the night, whispering dark secrets that seemed to seep into my very being. Their voices echoed through the trees, playing mind games that threatened to unhinge my sanity. Driven by a mix of curiosity and apprehension, I stepped outside the watchtower, determined to confront the enigma that haunted my nights. I cautiously moved through the underbrush, my senses heightened and heart pounding. And then I saw a figure in the distance a predator with the shape of a bipedal dogman, its eyes gleaming with an unnatural intelligence. Fear surged through me, but I refused to let it paralyze me. With trembling hands, I reached for the weapon holstered at my side, knowing that my only chance of survival lay in facing this unknown creature head-on. I shouted into the darkness, demanding answers, demanding to know why it tormented me. In a flash, the dogman lunged, its razor-sharp claws tearing through the air. Instinct took over, and I fought back, battling the beast with all my strength. Pain seared through my body as its claws found their mark, but I refused to yield. In a desperate struggle, I managed to seize my gun, aiming for the creature's heart. The shot rang out, piercing the night, and the dogman's agonized scream echoed through the forest. With newfound resolve, I held my breath, waiting for Backup to arrive. The creature, wounded and startled, fled into the darkness, leaving me battered and bloodied but alive. Backup arrived to find me unconscious, lying amidst the wilderness I had sworn to protect. They whisked me away to safety, my body battered but my spirit unbroken. As I regained consciousness, I knew that my encounter with the Dogmen was not the end but a beginning a testament to the unseen dangers that lurked within the depths of the forest. In the days that followed as I recovered, I delved deeper into the legends and lore of the area, seeking answers to the mysterious entity that had attacked me. It became clear that I had stumbled upon a hidden world, where myth and reality converged in the darkest corners of the White River National Forest. And so, armed with knowledge and an unwavering determination, I returned to my post atop the watchtower. The paintbrush in my hand became not only a tool of artistic expression, but a symbol of resilience. I vowed to protect this wilderness, not only from the tangible threats, but from the unseen forces that sought to unravel its delicate balance. The wilderness watched over me as I stood strong, ready to face whatever terrors may come. For in the heart of the forest, amidst the whispers of the unknown, A park ranger named Zoe embraced her duty with unyielding courage, ensuring that the secrets of the wild remain just that secrets, forever entwined with the untamed beauty of nature. I live in the Pacific Northwest, and I've been an outdoorsy type ever since I was a child. Always been a fan of foraging for food and hiking, but I had an experience a few years ago that changed that. I was up in some deep forest just foraging like usual and out of nowhere I had this chill run up my spine and felt an intense primal fear. I immediately became scared because I've never had this kind of intense fear me. I thought it was a black bear nearby or a cougar stalking me, so I pulled out my handgun and started to creep around looking for a safe place. I found this little clearing and crouched down so I could listen to the forest. I didn't hear anything except the usual little rustle and wind, so I thought it was okay. I get up to leave and I see this enormous hulking thing watching me about 50 yards away, maybe 20 yards inside the forest on the other side of the clearing. Not even hiding, just standing there like a tree. I actually thought it was a tree at first because it was probably 8 feet tall and 3 feet wide. Must have been 800 or 1000 pounds. As soon as I saw its eyes, I was paralyzed with fear. Probably would have shit myself if I had any in my system, and it was super quiet too. I never heard it even when it started to walk off. I just felt its presence nearby. Not a, this thing wants to kill me presence, just a, this thing could kill me if it wanted to, an easily kind of fear. I just stand there looking at it, it looking back at me. After about 30 seconds that felt like an hour, I started to back away slowly, keeping close to the ground in a kind of, I don't mean any harm way. Soon as I started to move, it just walked off. I think it had a fair bit of intelligence, and once it saw, I didn't want to do it any harm, it just left. It might have also just been curious. So yeah, saw a Bigfoot once, and it scared the living hell out of me. And let me tell you, a handgun wouldn't have done shit to this thing except piss it off. Even a shotgun might not have stopped it. Heard one while camping in the deep forest a few years later, too. It had this weird scream like an angry man animal. Too deep to be a human, but indefinitely not an animal. It was like some animal-human thing. Wailed like an angry banshee. And I've been out in the forest for enough years to be able to identify all the animal calls, so I know this wasn't anything animal. If I go hiking or camping these days, it's right on the edge of the forest in an area that plenty of people go around. F going exploring in the deep forest. By the way, I've been in the deep forest probably over 1, 1,500 times and only ran into this creature once, and only heard it once so it's exceptionally rare. So I was just about 24 years old when my cousin Charlie had gotten throat cancer. He wasn't really my cousin. He was my dad's cousin. But for whatever reason, I always called him Cousin Charlie. Anyways, he and his wife lived up around San Luis Obispo, and when he was finally recovering from cancer, he went to stay in his estate in mainland Hawaii. At one point, he needed someone to babysit his house in San Luis, and I volunteered, Fast forward, I'm staying at his place by myself. We're talking satellite, internet, and television slower than a snail. I had found myself enthralled in a Lord of the Rings marathon and proceeded to stay up till around 2.30 a.m. a.m Changing the channel meant whatever channel I was clicking meant it would choose four stations down from my selection, so I was hesitant to change the channel. The marathon ends and I proceed to make some green tea. That's when I hear it. A distant scream calls across the valley below. I knew it was a human scream, but for some reason I just refused to believe it. The thing about houses inland from San Luis is that you have a lot of room between your neighbors. We're talking about two miles apart from each other. If someone played music on the other side of the hill, you had no problem hearing it. I thought maybe they screamed because they were watching a scary film, or perhaps they were playing a board game. I really don't know, I just did my best to imagine it was me over-exaggerating. About two minutes had gone by, and I passed it off at this time, getting lost in infomercials. That's when I heard something familiar to a firecracker, but then I heard it multiple times. Something didn't seem right, so I grabbed the nearest blunt object and headed upstairs. My cousin Charlie has a 360-degree second deck, which I proceeded to go and take watch on with a fire poker like that would do me any good. I listened, but I could only hear the wind. I would later end up falling asleep in one of the rocking chairs and then waking up about 40 minutes later. What I later found out from my cousin Charlie is that a man had got into a big argument with his wife and shot her as she ran from the house. I also later found out that because I was the only one who had left the outside lights on that she had run towards me, but died from her wounds about 60% of the way here. This still gives me chills. I live near Greensboro, North Carolina. The date that the incidents began was 2022. Two weeks after moving to this address, I witnessed trees in the park behind my home, moving as though there was a huge heavy being moving from one tree to the other but I could not see any visible being, though I know that this movement was not caused by the wind. Since then, I have seen a variety of strange, unreal things that I would never have imagined ever seeing in real life, except on sci-fi films. I have tried to take photographs of these anomalies, but nothing is ever captured. I've used a digital camera and an old Polaroid, but to no avail. There is something outside in my trees, and it is not squirrels. I can feel them watching me and have seen their neon green eyes staring back at me from inside of the thick tree cover where they try to hide and blend in with the leaves on the top of the trees. Something is definitely wrong here, and it really has me frightened. I know something has come into my home and assaulted me with scratches on my back and left a blood-red scab at the base of my skull. It was as though it was punctured with a sharp object, such as a needle. I'm convinced that the government and other officials in this community know about the activity. I collected some hair evidence that I know is not human. The hair is too thin and wispy, and the color is greenish in hue. I don't know what to do. Someone suggested I reach out to you so I won't lose my sanity. I never, in my wildest dreams, would have ever imagined these things to actually be real. It's difficult for me to accept the reality of it. Please contact me so I won't feel so alone in this madness. Thank you. Where my mom's house is, there is a river that runs behind it with nothing but forests surrounding it. Some truly creepy shit has happened to us and some friends more than once down there at the river. First story, me, my boyfriend, and a couple of friends were camping out on the river's sandbar. I had my dog with me, her name is Anna. We were having a bonfire and setting up the tents before everyone showed up. Then Tim, my boyfriend, Robert, his friend, went into the woods to look for more firewood so I could watch the fire and keep it going until they came back. This left me and Anna by the fire by ourselves. Anna is very protective and I felt safe with her after they went into the woods. I immediately felt someone or something staring at me from across the river. This river was not very wide, but there was very thick forest on the other side that abruptly stopped right at the river's edge. Anna senses it, too, and got up from where she was laying at by the fire, walked down to the river enough that all four of her paws were in the water, all the hairs on her back standing straight up, and she's staring and pointing with one paw up at the ray's edge across the river. I follow her and stand directly behind her, and also stare across the river. I suddenly hear whatever it is move. So does Anna. And it's not just regular human footsteps I'm hearing. It's moving trees. It sounded as if it was moving trees and branches out of the way to walk. Anna is following it, moving where it moves, but staying on our side of the river, and she's deeply growling. It's like time was frozen. I couldn't move, I couldn't speak. I couldn't see it because the fire was way up on the riverbank and Anna and I were on the river's ledge with our feet in the water. Both of us are just staring into the woods across the river. Anna finally stopped moving and now is closer and her legs are in the water now, and she's steadily growling. I'm behind her with my feet up to mid-shin in the water. I finally snap out of it and run back up by the fire and call for Tim and Robert. Anna stayed where she was still growling. They hear me and come back with firewood. Tim says, What's wrong? I said. You didn't hear that, Robert said. Hear what? I said. There's something across the river and it doesn't sound human. Anna won't stop growling at it. So the two guys walk to the river's edge and Robert grabs the pellet gun he brought with him. Tim walks up to Anna and says, What is it, girl? What do you see? And she's not breaking her stare, just constantly growling. All of a sudden, Robert and Tim hear it shift, as do I and Anna shifts with it to the left. Well, when it shifts, Robert aims the pellet gun where he heard the shift and fires a pellet into the woods. No sooner than we heard the pellet hit something, we all heard a low, guttural, deep growl for like a second. Once Anna heard the growl, she backed up and got close to Tim and whines a little bit. Then nothing. It's as if it just disappeared, I said screw that and walked my ass back up to my mom's house, and we canceled the camping for the night. Second story, we are halfway down the trail that leads to this river, with Robert and a few other friends. My moms didn't like a lot of people over at her house, we are just hanging out talking and bullshitting around and all of the sudden out of nowhere. It sounded as if a horse neighed, but more like a laugh, and everyone in our small group heard it so we noped out of there and go back to my mom's and are in my mom's yard and we all hear it again clear as day a horse neighing laugh at the very beginning of the trail the beginning of the trail is adjacent to my mom's yard it gave us all chills and we couldn't logically explain it no one in the neighborhood owns horses nor has there ever been any in that neighborhood third story again we tim and our friends were in the trail of the river This time we were walking down to the river. It was midsummer, and a lot of people were down there. We were looking forward to swimming and having a fun time. We get halfway down the trail and we all see a solid black wolf sitting in the middle of the trail near the end of it facing us. I remember it clearly. It has yellow eyes and gray around its snout like it was older. This was at 12 p.m. 12.30 p.m. on a bright sunny day and people were in the water. You could hear them laughing and splashing. We all stop in our tracks and stare at it. About five people just staring in silence at this black wolf scared to move or make any noise. It stares at us back. And I shit you not, it grinned at us. Not a typical dog grin where they pant and have their mouth open. No, this was more like a sinister, mischievous grin with sharp teeth and bright yellow eyes. It made my stomach turn. We were about 50 feet from it, and after about 5 minutes it stopped grinning, and it simply got up on its hind legs and walked away as if it was a human. We all just looked at each other, asking if we all saw it, and everyone saw the exact same thing. I believe we came across a skinwalker that day. I didn't tell my friends that's what it was, but I knew that's what it was. We said screw swimming that day and left. That was the last time we ever went to that river again. A few years ago, I was lying in my bed, drifting in and out of sleep. My eyes were closed, and my mind was on the verge of entering Dreamland when I suddenly heard a strange noise coming from my doorway. It was a peculiar sound like a faint whisper or a soft hum. Curiosity got the better of me and I slowly opened my eyes, allowing them to adjust to the darkness of my room, and what I saw sent a shiver down my spine. There, right in front of me, was a six-foot spherical light, surrounded by a mysterious gray mist. It hovered in the air, emanating an otherworldly glow. I watched in awe and disbelief as the ethereal light moved slowly from my doorway towards my window. It seemed to glide effortlessly, almost as if it were dancing through the air, My heart raced, and I couldn't tear my eyes away from the mesmerizing sight. Then, without warning, the luminous sphere faded right through the solid bedroom wall. It vanished into thin air, leaving behind a lingering sense of wonder and uncertainty. I was left in complete awe, struggling to comprehend what I had just witnessed. The next day, my little brother approached me, excitement and curiosity etched across his face, He asked if I had seen something strange in our shared experience. It turned out that he, too, had witnessed the same enigmatic phenomenon. He described how he saw it materialize in his room, passing through the very same wall that I had observed it fade next to. Our minds were filled with questions and a shared sense of wonder. What was that strange spherical light? Where did it come from, and where did it go? We couldn't find any logical explanation to make sense of it all. That extraordinary encounter stayed with us, becoming a cherished memory that bound us together. It was an unexplainable event that sparked our imaginations and instilled a deep curiosity about the mysteries of the universe. To this day, we still recount that night when the spherical light, shrouded in gray mist, captivated our senses. It serves as a reminder that there are realms beyond our understanding, hidden just beyond the confines of our ordinary lives, And perhaps one day, we will uncover the secrets behind that ethereal visitor and the magical journey it took through our bedroom walls. Around 4 p.m. yesterday, I was in my bathroom when I heard something fall to the floor above me. I kind of shrugged it off at the time. Fast forward to about 2 a.m., I was in my living room. My grandma was sleeping on the couch, and my uncle was sleeping in his room. Suddenly, right above me, I heard loud, heavy footsteps walking across the attic. My cat heard it too because she bolted up the cat tree and looked directly up at the ceiling in the same spot. So I know I'm not crazy. I'm scared to death. I haven't slept yet, and my family is telling me not to call the police. My uncle is going to check when he gets home from work. I don't know if it's an alien, ghost, or an actual human up there. I just don't see how anyone could have gotten up there considering it's inaccessible. My uncle is trying to shrug it off as a bird or squirrels, but no way would a squirrel walk or sound like that. Update. My uncle and I went up there, and there were no signs of anything ever being up there. The part of the house where I heard the heavy footsteps is sealed off from the rest of the attic. There is absolutely no access to it. So this definitely turned a lot more paranormal. My brother and I had embarked on a hunting expedition in the vast and untamed wilderness of Alaska. Our sights were set on the elk that roamed these lands. With rifles slung over our shoulders and determination burning in our hearts, we ventured into the dense thicket, relentlessly searching for any signs of our quarry. Hours turned into days as we scoured the nearby woods, our anticipation mounting with each passing moment. Yet, despite our tireless efforts, the prey seemed to elude us, leaving us with naught but the echoes of our own footsteps. Undeterred, we made camp under the starlit sky, our tents providing a temporary refuge amidst the wilderness. The crackling fire cast dancing shadows upon the trees, painting the night with an ethereal glow. As the flames flickered and danced, we contemplated our next move, determined to leave no stone unturned in our pursuit of the prey. It was then that we stumbled upon something unexpected, a small village hidden away in an uncharted part of the woods. Intrigued and driven by curiosity, we ventured towards its center, guided by an inexplicable force that urged us forward. As we drew closer, a pack of wolves emerged from the surrounding wilderness, Their piercing eyes fixated upon us. Yet, as quickly as they appeared, they vanished into the undergrowth, leaving us with a sense of foreboding. Our footsteps carried us through the village, its eerie stillness permeating the air. We soon beheld a sight that sent a chill down our spines, a massive pile of bones, skulls, and remnants of a forgotten past. It was a macabre collection, a silent testament to the tragedy that had unfolded here many years ago. We surmised that over fifty souls had met their untimely demise in the frigid embrace of these unforgiving woods, perhaps a century ago. As we explored further, our eyes fell upon claw marks etched upon the walls of the decaying houses, a haunting reminder of the unknown terror that had descended upon this ill-fated village. Our minds raced with speculation, piecing together fragments of a forgotten tale. What sinister force could have unleashed such devastation upon this place? The Arctic tundra stretched out before me, vast and unyielding. I, an Inuit hunter born and raised in this unforgiving ice wilderness, had set out on a crisp, frigid morning to fish in the frozen waters. The landscape was a stark beauty, with pristine snow-covered expanses as far as the eye could see. As I trudged through the snow, I couldn't help but feel a sense of connection to the land. My ancestors had thrived in these harsh conditions for centuries, and I was determined to honor their legacy. However, as the sun dipped low on the horizon, I noticed a foreboding haze in the distance. My heart sank as I realized it was coming from the direction of our small Inuit village. Panic surged through me, and I raced back as quickly as I could my boots crunching through the snow with each hurried step. Arriving at the village, I was met with a scene of chaos and devastation. The humble homes of my fellow villagers had been torn apart, their belongings scattered like flotsam in the icy sea. I knew this was no ordinary predator. It was something unknown, something monstrous. Determined to uncover the truth, I set out on a reconnaissance mission, venturing towards the outskirts of the village where the creature had vanished. The biting cold gnawed at me, but I pressed on. It was then that I spotted the massive, yeti-like creatures. These formidable beings were unlike anything I had ever seen. Towering and white, they had hulking forms, with fur-covered bodies that resembled a bear on steroids. Their eyes glowed a piercing yellow, and their powerful legs allowed them to move with an unnatural grace. They were undeniably dangerous, but my curiosity got the better of me. I inched closer, trying to get a better look, but I had underestimated their sharp senses. With a sudden, chilling awareness, they turned toward me. Panic gripped me as I saw the wrath in their eyes, and I knew they had noticed me. Without hesitation, the creatures bolted towards the icy forest, disappearing among the snow-laden trees. The sheer size and speed at which they moved left me in awe. However, I also realized that if I pursued them further, I would be risking my life. Reluctantly I made the difficult decision to abandon my pursuit. The creatures were far too formidable and I was just a lone Inuit hunter. I couldn't stand a chance against these enigmatic giants. I retraced my steps back to the village, my thoughts racing. It was clear that I needed to inform the authorities about what I had witnessed. I reached for my satellite phone and dialed the local police my voice trembling as I recounted the incredible encounter with these unknown predators. The response on the other end was skeptical, to say the least. The police were incredulous, questioning the validity of my story. They suggested it might have been a bear, despite my insistence that these creatures were unlike
1: Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Anything I had ever seen before. I am 26 years old and have worked on a sea scallop boat since I have been 18 years old. During the course of my time on the water, this question brought two stories to my attention. These are not in order of importance, and I apologize for any grammar mistakes in the future. First story happened a couple years ago when we were working off the coast of Long Island, I believe. It was a little rough, but nothing out of the ordinary. It was dark and about three in the morning and everything was going smooth. On a scallop boat, you are required to shuck and do other things in between toes that happen every hour. It's basically a floating factory. I was in a shack back in the stern of the vessel standing in the back that can be closed up while you shuck. All of a sudden, the wind starts to pick up and the lightning starts closer than you want when you are the tallest object. It's roaring and raining so hard that the rain was hitting me in the back of the shack. The boat starts listing to port, and it sounds more violent than you can imagine. The door was tied off, so I rushed to shut the door and use all my strength to shut it. I am by myself in here, and I have been never so scared when the boat started listing over even harder. This lasted for about ten minutes. Then it was over. Looked outside, and all the gear was everywhere, and a bucket that was deep inside a towed up in the front of the deck was taken out it and laying on deck. The position and protection where this was only led my other co-workers and i on watch to believe we indeed were just hit by a water spout the second story was when the boat was fishing offshore sometime during march it was shitty and cold out and you could barely stand up we were fishing with our starboard facing the waves because we were on a tow and producing as time goes by it's going to sound weird but you develop an intuition of when you are going to get hit by a wave when picking up scallops on deck. When working in the pile, you try to keep your scuppers closed, it's rough, because you don't want to make it harder on yourself or get your gloves wet. It all becomes very instinctual, so this night it starts to get rougher progressively. Another guy and myself are working on the starboard side and doing fine, he was back aft and I was forward. I was directly next to the hatch for the fish hold, We are picking, then we feel this wave coming. Like I said earlier, you can tell the power somehow and guess what you're going to do. This is the east coast, so the continental shelf drop-off isn't that substantial as the west, so typically rouge waves are few and far between. So my co-worker, and I don't even try to duck or cover in anticipation. I just lift my gloves a little and assume this will be nothing special. Then the rest of it comes. We didn't have a chance. The power was forceful and slammed myself against the hatch, thankfully, because or else I think I would have been washed over the port side in full gear. The other guy was washed into the other rail, and by the time I got up I could see the fear in his eyes of what just happened to him. I was more confused due to the impact of the violent wave and the cold water. Got changed and worked for another couple hours before my watch was over. That was a shit night. My name is Don Montgomery, Jr. My father was stationed at RAF Bentwaters from 1977 to 1982. At the time of this event, we were living in Suffolk on the Blacks Farm near Rendlesham Forest. This house is huge. We had some very interesting events happen in the home. Once we moved in, my brother started talking to an invisible friend and he had full-on conversations. Shortly after that, I started hearing noises coming down the driveway, which used to be a cobbled way, their hoofs beating on the stones, but no horses were there. Then an old lady in white dress and bonnet would walk across the walled yard. Then an elderly man in a wheelchair would wheel himself down the hall and up the stairs, which could only be accessed via a staircase. Our room was upstairs, and our room looked out over the walled and yard. The home had entirely too many rooms for us to heat, so we would frequently close off a lot of the main rooms and just heat the main area. I had tried telling my parents that I had been seeing people that were not there, and they thought I was making this up. We were all sitting in the living room watching something on the television when something pushed down the mechanism to push down the heavy oak door. With a very loud thunk, the door opened then closed. My family were flabbergasted as we all heard walking through the living room. Then the other door on the other side of the room, the one that led to the stairs was opened and then shut. My parents looked at each and then looked at me. Me being 16 at the time, I looked them and I said, told ya, I never saw my brother's friend, but I knew he had to exist. The whole time we lived there, we always constantly had something happening in the paranormal. It was later in 1981 that I found a picture of the man in the wheelchair in a class photo in an old garage. I showed it to my parents and I told them, this is the man that I had been seeing. He was considerably younger, but I will never forget that face. I still see spirits to this day. They have become a part of my life and I have learned to accept it. Now Rendlesham Forest, December 23, 1980. I was sitting on the back porch of the Black's Farm. It was dark and cold. I was cleaning rabbits on the back porch that my father had shot. I was finishing up with the rabbit when a white ball of light coming from the south of the house moved north to the back field behind the house. It is completely silent. I watched it with awe, not quite believing what I was seeing. It hovered over the far field and looked to be about the size of a mini cooper. It cast a glow on the wet mud in the field and then seemed to land in the field. It was simply beautiful it looked like it was pulsing. I eventually snapped out of it. I went to get my dad. I was very excited. When we came back out, it was gone, like it had blinked out of existence. My father did not think I saw what I knew I had seen. He told me it was probably a helicopter and not a big deal. I knew what I had seen. The next day I walked out to where I thought it landed. I went back to my house, got my dad, and told him he needed to come out and see what I found. We got out there, and there were three circular impressions there on the ground equally spaced out, and my original set of footprints going to, and from the site, very muddy, and then our prints going back to the site where the orb had landed. My father was surprised enough that he called the base and reported what he had found and I had seen. No one ever came to my knowledge to check the site. Then a couple of days later, the famous Rendlesham Forest event occurred at RAF Bentwaters Woodbridge. So as a kid, I lived about 100 miles away from the nearest town at a house without electricity, running water the works in the Colorado Rockies. This place was in the bum middle of nowhere, and we frequently did see all sorts of wild animals. Elk, deer, coyotes, and such. Our property and a bunch of other neighbors' property bordered National Forest Roads, so to keep people off of our road, we had a gate about a mile and a half from our house that we drove through before we were home. This time of year, we are the only people up there. All the other homes are hunting cabins long empty by this late in the winter. Now, this was not the type of gate that you could drive around if you forgot your key. There were tons of trees all around it with barbed wire and ditches, and such so anyone wanting for off-road around it would have to basically build a new road around this gate. Well, one night my mom, brother, sister, and I pull up to the gate, and we cannot find the key, it's gone. So one of us has to hike to the house to get a spare, then walk back. Now it's recently snowed in January, and it is totally dark, like can't see your hand in front of your face dark and with the new snow you can't hear anything, too. There are a few clouds in the sky on and off to let some starlight through every once in a while, but it's dark and of course there isn't a flashlight either. So off I go. First you walk through about 200 meters of trees, then it opens up into a huge meadow, which then narrows back down again to trees for another 200 meters, then opens up again into another huge meadow, which on the other side of is our house. So I set out and everything seems fine. I'm just irritated that I have to do this. I'm like 15, 16 years old at this time and a little angsty teen that is peeved at an oldest kid chore totally not thinking about my surroundings. But then I got that feeling of being watched as soon as I'm halfway through the first meadow. That deep, creepy dread that something is right behind you that you can't see which was made a thousand times worse by the light and lack of being able to hear. My instinct was run. But I knew that if there was something that was just going to provoke it. So I kept going and then stopped to try and listen and I heard a crunch crunch just out of sight echo my footsteps. Holy shit I was freaking the f out. This time I walk a little faster and I know there is something behind me and it's probably a cat so I just keep walking right into the second bunch of trees before it opens up into the meadow our house is in and I can feel the pressure at that point. We were mind-melded predator and prey, and I could feel the breath on my shoes. So second clearing comes up, and I know what the plan is, and I book it. Thankfully, I'm familiar with what to do, and I scream, Mother F. At the top of my lungs, and I hear our dogs bark at the other side of the meadow, and I know they know what's up. I stop and get big with my coat, and I can hear it, but still not see it, just outside my vision, and I hear the dogs hauling ass towards me when they get there. They continue right past me into the woods. I hauled ass to the house, got the key and the 12 gauge and got in the 2955 tractor we used for work to head back to the gate. On my way back, I saw the tracks it had cut right across the first part of the meadow and was on me from what I could guess that pit of my stomach feeling hit right when it started across the meadow. Thankfully, I got back to the gate and let the rest of my family in and told them the whole story. And while that's happening, both the dogs show up unhurt, but obviously in the same state as me, not ready for a calm night of sleep. To this day, I never go out into the woods without a weapon. My first name is Debbie. I'm not in a position where my full name can be revealed. I wish that wasn't the case. My encounter is brief, but it has stuck with me since. In 1997, my husband and I were in the Peace Corps volunteering to do some good in the world. We were posted in Nepal and Dalpa, one of the most remote northern areas high in the Himalayan mountains around 10 to 12,000 feet above sea level, Dalpa borders, Tibet. The area was closed to tourists at the time. It is very remote, but since we were Peace Corps and stationed there, we were permitted to hike or track to rural towns to do our job. We lived mostly with Buddhist people. They were honest, hard-working, wonderful, and peaceful people. We had been on a track to conduct services to local community health care workers in very remote villages. I'm a pediatric nurse, so I would teach safe birthing techniques and care for infants and children. Especially for burns, diarrhea, gastroenteritis, and dehydration. We trekked for two weeks at a time, sometimes hiking above 14 to 15,000 feet above the tree line. It's very remote. The nearest village will be a day's hike in between, and the occasional teahouse or lodge every two to three hours along the trail would follow the glacier river with the occasional bridge to cross. The bridges often were just two large trees spanning the raging river. Or sometimes a suspended wood platform bridge. One time on our way back from a long two-week trek, we were hiking home, and we were still about two to three days out from Dunai, our home village. Our backpacks weighed about 25 to 30 pounds, so they're packed tightly. This was the era before cell phones, not that it would matter, because even today I doubt there is internet WIFI service since it's so remote but we had a regular camera that I'd packed deep into my backpack. My husband was in front of me on the trail. We'd been hiking for several hours following the glacier river, and to my right was the steep gorge down the mountain leading to the river. To my left, as the steep mountainside traversed up very steep, so steep one would have a very difficult time climbing hiking it. So we're trekking along, our thoughts to our own when all of a sudden I felt my hair stand on the back of my neck, and my ears started ringing. It got deathly quiet, I looked ahead, and I saw my husband still walking ahead on the trail. I stopped, looked down, and right on the dirt trail was a very large footprint that traversed the entire trail, maybe 18 to 20 inches long much longer than a hiking boot. I could easily make out the toes, with the big toe at a flat foot bottom and very wide heel. I thought, wow, someone has gigantic feet and is flat-footed. But why would someone be out here in bare feet? Even Nepalese wore footwear when trekking, typically flip-flops, actually. Then I just froze and my heart started pounding in my chest. I knew it was there staring at me to my left. I could feel it. I sense it right next to me in the bush, maybe a few feet away on my left on the mountainside, staring at me out of my peripheral vision. I had a human-like face and its eyes staring at me. I never felt so much fear in my life. I didn't make out its body because it was standing behind a tree peering off to the side. I knew if I didn't yell for my husband to come and see the footprint, he would never believe me. I wasn't about to put my backpack down to bring up my camera. I was too scared and had this sense of run now. Then in my mind, I heard it say, just keep going. I will not hurt you, but keep going. Do not look at me. I said back in my mind, I just want to show my husband the footprint, and then we will go. So I tried to yell. My voice froze. I cannot make a sound. It was so strange, and I'm a talker. I barely got my voice to whisper to my husband to come back. Of course, he didn't hear me, so I kept trying to yell, but I just couldn't. My husband happened to look back because I think he sensed I wasn't behind him anymore and he started backtracking towards me. I still could barely talk and sensed the Yeti to my left this whole time watching me quietly. I didn't feel like it would hurt me but nonetheless, I was petrified. When my husband reached me, I pointed down on the path and showed him the footprint. He stared at it. Then he stared at me wide-eyed and started to look toward the Yeti and I said stop. We got to go now. My husband nodded and we sprinted down the trail. We ran for about 30 minutes until we felt that weird feeling leave us. I felt petrified the whole time and didn't stop trying to sprint even with our heavy packs until we felt normal again. When we finally stopped, I told my husband what I encountered, the voice and the glimpse of its face eyes, and that the Yeti had spoken to me in my head. I never heard of mine speak until later, and then it made sense. We both were so shaken, but I'm glad he saw the footprint, or I don't think he would have fully believed me. When we arrived in the next town to stay overnight, we asked the locals if they'd ever seen the Yeti, and oh, wow, did the stories fly. They told us the Yeti live in the mountain and to never hike alone, and that if we didn't bother, it would not bother us. But once in a while, the Yeti would come into town and take small livestock, chickens and goats, or other crops, mostly potatoes, They told us they tried to live peacefully with a Yeti, but not to anger it, or the Yeti would seek revenge. Children were not allowed to go in the mountains alone. Since that time and living on the U.S. East Coast, mostly in Pennsylvania and Maryland, I'm not having any encounters. We hike the Appalachian Trail frequently, but honestly, that's fine with me. I've heard whistling sounds late at night. I've encountered bluish orbs too, but that is another story for another time. I wanted to share my Yeti story finally. I was in Montana in the mountains near Melrose in the butt area. Me and my buddy had seen a herd of elk a couple days before and then saw them again along the mountain the next day as well. So we decided to head up a day or to after to since we both had tags still. After a day of hunting and seeing nothing, we decided to split up and he would go walk down one side, and I would walk another. We were going to meet back up at the truck. It's about five and dusk is starting to settle in, so I decided to head back. On my way down in the middle of the woods, I could hear this continued sound, but I could tell what it was as I started to come around a bend. I could make out the faint sound of someone singing. I stopped to listen and was sure it was music, but I couldn't tell exactly where it was coming from. I continued to walk and was half expecting to run into another hunter listening to music. I went around a bend and could hear the music much louder. I was 100% sure it was a radio or something at this point. I walked a little bit farther and there was a battery-powered radio sitting on a downed tree. There was no one around. I decided not to hang around wondering about it and was pretty weirded out at this point so I climbed over the log that the radio was on so as to keep going on my way. When I got over the log, on the other side was a tipped-over box full of all different types of women's underwear and like half a dozen kids' dolls all arranged in a circle. The radio was an old tape player and had the same song over and over. I sped-walked my ass out of there till I was far enough away. Then I started running the rest of the way back. It was the weirdest shit ever. I always remembered the song playing but didn't know what it was called till I heard it again a few years later. It was Skeeter Davis, The End of the World. I can't hear that song without getting chills now, not that I often hear it. I was on shift at the county jail and had just gotten off of a patrol shift. My shift was supposed to end at 10 but I did not get off until midnight due to some court hearings that had just gotten out. I figured that I would have to go get something to eat, and then hit the showers before going home since it wasn't worth trying to sleep in a dirty uniform. When everything is said and done, I head down to the lobby so I can clock out and leave after grabbing something quick to eat. There's this big glass window right behind where they make you sign in, so if there's any issue or if we need an update when the day guys are coming in on shift, you can see all over the front desk through said window. I was about halfway through the lobby, my food already paid for, and trying to pick up something when I noticed something off in the corner window by the lockers where all of our gear is stored during shift changes. There's this big steel cabinet back there, and it's usually locked up pretty good, but it's also sort of old. You can tell if somebody has opened it it sticks a tiny bit at the hinges now i've dealt with more than my fair share of gear in my short career at this point so i already know what's supposed to be in that closet just by looking at it there are two desks backpacks tactical vests and even rifles on occasion well when i saw the cabinet open and the guns were over there instead of over here where they should have been i got a little concerned the guys at the front desk heard me asking who was in the locker room one of them came out to see what was wrong. He checked it out completely confused by what he knew for a fact that nobody had come in since this day guys started clocking out at this time. We closed up shop and decided to head back down until we could figure things out. I would later find out that my other officers had seen a police officer they did not recognize moving things around, which would later be known as the ghost. But luckily enough, my gun was still in its case sitting on top of my locker. So if nothing else, nothing was missing for me personally, which is a huge relief. Considering each gun gets locked up with its own special key, and there's only like six of those in the entire station. I was talking to one of the guys at the front desk about what I'd seen, the ghost, the apparition, but he did not remember anybody coming through for a while. So he went back down together to talk to the night watchman. After all this happened, I guess he too has seen this apparition as well. It will come in and move things around, everything from paperwork to equipment. And this is coming from somebody who doesn't believe in ghosts at all. But there's definitely something here. Now, our county jail is pretty small, maybe around 40 cells if I had to guess. But it also has an upper level that houses some offices and the conference room, along with holding cells where you could put somebody before transfer or just until their court date. The lower floor houses two large interview rooms, six normal cell blocks, an infirmary that doubles as a psychiatric unit, and then our holding area for everybody else that needs to stay the night. I had gone up there with our main dispatcher and her assistant after talking to the guys at the front desk. Every single door was locked like they should have been, aside from one solitary cell that houses an older woman who'd been picked up for public intoxication just earlier that evening. That just made no sense whatsoever, of course, unless she escaped, and I have no idea because it would take quite a struggle to break out of those doors since we're talking about solid steel. The cells also have two deadbolts on top, both being locked, so you have to do three things prior to breaking through all of them, which is nearly impossible if unarmed or alone unless you can pick locks. The cops that were there at the time had gone through just about every inch of this place, coming up with virtually nothing, which is extremely strange. We're a very small team, and we could usually get a pretty good bead on these things before it gets too far. It was only the three of us after all, and we made sure to check out everything together in case something or somebody had slipped by. We even went over our entire walkie-talkie system just to make sure there was nothing going on but we were also noticing we were having a lot of static issues, which is very unusual. The air felt very electric, why? Lots of magnetism in the air. Again, very unusual. And from the watchman, he always explained how the air would seem to change every time he would see this thing on the cameras, this officer ghost. But after searching for what seemed like hours, we decided to head back down and see if maybe something else had popped up. Or perhaps there be some kind of clue lying around somewhere that could explain all of this without having to call in everybody else just yet. It seemed that maybe this was an inside job. I'm also trying to think rationally here and not immediately go to ghosts. The only people who had access to that room were either on shift or had clocked out at this point. But it doesn't explain why somebody would take or move our stuff and then not bother using it for whatever they wanted to do with it. I don't know if you've ever worked with law enforcement before, but having guns missing is a really bad thing. If they fell into the wrong hands, there's literally nothing stopping them from being used against anybody, including our other officers. Our vests are also equipped with Kevlar plates, despite how light they may be, so those could seriously injure or even kill somebody, which again is an extreme risk since most of us carry them around everywhere we go. I tried talking to the watchman again, who didn't remember anybody else coming in, but informed me that on camera, he saw the figure multiple times this evening. I just couldn't buy it, though. If you know anything about our tiny town, you might know we don't have a ton going on, especially at night, which is why most people end up getting bored and find crime to commit. Even officers have a struggle of keeping responsibility, or they can't handle the stress that comes with law enforcement. I hate watering the idea of this entire thing down to a silly ghost or apparition or even acknowledging the fact that this police station is haunted, but maybe it's time to open my mind. The night watchman, a good friend of mine, is a no-nonsense kind of guy. He wouldn't make this stuff up. I don't know if he really believes in ghosts, but he's definitely seeing something on the cameras that isn't quite human.